Welcome to the podcast from Plum Creek Community Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. Thanks for downloading my dad. I hope as you listen, you are challenged and encouraged by his message. How's everybody doing? Yeah, backs are sore. Legs are sore from hauling stuff up the stairs. We have our offices almost set up. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's so fun. Uh, Jason got the sound system turned on this week, and it sounds good, and they're going to keep tweaking it, and we'll get the video stuff ready to roll, and we're, <clears throat> we're really, really excited. So thank you to everybody who's helped us this week moving things and helping us get stuff set up and trying to get stuff done uh, at the new facility, and I'm uh, just excited for the students this week. So thanks, everybody, for all of your help in helping us to get, uh, get transitioned over there so that we're ready to roll. It's been great. I want to also say a special thanks to each of you that uh, sent in different uh, notes and cards and emails and gifts. And we are so blessed as a staff to serve here at Plum Creek. And uh, what makes our job great is you guys and the relationships that we have with you. And, you know, Hallmark's got a celebration for everything. I want you to know that we feel appreciated and we love what we do. We love getting the opportunity to do it together as a team. And we love uh, being able to uh, just share in, in the gift that God has given us to be able to serve at Plum Creek. It's an awesome, awesome thing. So this is kind of a flashback old school Sunday with no video because uh, the cameras and all of the video switchers and I don't even know what all that stuff means, but it's all over there. And so that's why it's an old school Sunday and we're full screen. As I, I forgot that that was happening when I was looking through the keynote notes this weekend, probably like, man, they got a lot of verse in that one spot because it's usually the lower third and now it's the whole screen. So we're going to do that for a couple of weeks. We're going to do flashback old school so we can really appreciate all the fancy dancy stuff when we get over to the new building because there's so much uh, that's going on. But just thanks to everybody. I know there's been a lot going on. We had another crew serving at another church this weekend, helping them with some demo stuff. It seemed to everything hit this weekend. So thanks to everybody for uh, the way you've been stepping up and helping out. It's just been it's been really awesome. We're in a series that we started last week called Lessons from the Theater, and I want to continue that this week. A lot of fond memories, a lot of panicked Sunday mornings, getting things working and blowing things and trying to get things moved around, and we've learned how to use a theater. I actually think that if you took Jason and his crew and a couple of our staff and our setup crew, we could probably make a living consulting theater churches, helping them know how to do this well, our kids' ministry and all the different areas that we've had to get creative with. Uh, it's, just, it's just been awesome. You know, one of the challenges as I reflect back over the years of being here at the theater is that I, I, I went back and tried to remember this week, I think we're on our fifth or our sixth different manager here at the theater since we started. There's a pretty high turnover rate. And, and so <clears throat> when you think about that and you think about the challenge of having to work in someone else's building and forging new relationships, and <clears throat> it's not always uh, pleasant to have to get up at 6 to, or whatever time it is to get here in the morning, but their staff does this too. They have to be here to open the building, and so for the last seven years, we've been in this relationship with the theater here that has been really special, and we've had to learn to forge relationships with new people on the fly and get stuff done because we always have requests and changing things and uh, you know, there, it's just been it's been a joy to to get to develop relationships with the staff and and I remember I was thinking back this year, kind of just kind of reminiscing about the early days. I I don't know why, but 
Jerry, you'll have to help me. I'm pretty sure almost every Sunday, our first year, it snowed uh, in the wintertime. Like, it, this, the only time it snowed was on Sunday, and it snowed hard. And we were, like, not only trying to figure out how to set everything up, but we're out shoveling off and dusting off. And I remember one Sunday, I think it was on a Christmas Eve. It was a Christmas service of some sort, I think. And we had all of our equipment stored in a storage unit. And it snowed so hard that we actually had to shovel. And I think Steve Barden brought his snowblower from Aurora to the storage unit so that we could snowblow a path to the trailer. We could never get the trailer out. And we hauled the speakers on our shoulders to the truck on the other side of the gate to get them here, to, to get the minimal we could set up so that we could do services. And, you know, we're like all just completely worn out from carrying with sweat and drenched. We could get up here and speak and sing and all the rest of it. It's been a challenge. There's been a lot of crazy, crazy uh, memories. I remember our, uh, I remember our first Easter, Easter service here at the theater. And uh, a family that used to be uh, Plum Creekers moved to California, the Arlottis. And we were out in the lobby. And uh, it was in between the, the two services on Easter Sunday. And he came over and kind of leaned onto my shoulder. And he's like, dude. I was like, yeah, buddy. And Jeff actually started coming to the church because my son Josh invited him because he was his football coach in the Dolphins program. He's leaning against my shoulder and he goes, dude, we're on to something here. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, look at all these people. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, God is on to something here. Happy Easter. Let's tell as many people as we can. And, and uh, I just remember the exciting firsts all the way through uh, this journey. I remember, and he's here this morning when one of our uh, advisor team guys came to me and said, hey, my dad and, and my mom are moving to Castle Rock, and they're not, really, they're not really churched people much, so I need you to go easy on my dad. You'll scare him away. I said, oh, no, no, no. We specialize in that. I said, it's going to be great to meet your dad. And uh, the story over the years of uh, his growing faith and their family's connection and his wife as well and uh, this is really exciting for me to tell you guys. You know, he's just become almost like a dad to me in so many ways. Rick's sitting right up there. And uh, yeah, uh, day before yesterday, uh, I had asked him to build us a conference room table because we, uh, he's an incredible woodworker. And so I gave him a couple of pictures that I found online, and he got to work, and he would not let me see it because he wanted it to be a surprise uh, once the table got here. And <clears throat> so uh, we went and got the table on Friday. And I can't even tell you how beautiful this table. I can hardly wait to show you when you get to the new building. It's this beautiful 11 foot, Rick, 11 foot long, 5 feet wide, beautiful um, gray pine, beautiful finish on top with an inlaid cross right in the middle of it. It is so beautiful. And uh, Rick, Rick will be the first to tell you that cross means something different to me today than it ever has in my life. And you guys, that's what this is about. It's about the stories of life change, and it's the stories of people who have uh, come back to faith or for the first time coming to faith, or people that their children are being able to experience what it means to under, and understanding what it means to serve the Lord. There's just so many amazing, amazing things. It's about this faith journey that we've been on together. And so I've been thinking about that a lot this week, as I've been thinking the, about the, the lessons that we've learned. And I'm going to share a couple verses with you. They're not on the screen, the first two, because I just want you to, can you do this for a second? We just close your eyes. I want you to listen to these words. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, Faith is the confidence that, we, that what we hope for will actually happen. 
It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. Don't open your eyes up. A couple of verses later, in verse 6, it says, it says this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Okay, open your eyes for a second. The joy of the last seven years has been this faith journey that we've been on together. Growing in our understanding of what it means to be people of faith. Understanding and watching, it's almost like a muscle that gets worked out, that gets bigger. Our faith grows the more we see our, our incredible God at work. Just this week I was reading, I, I put it out on my on Twitter feed, but just this week I was reading an uh, Oswald Chambers, and it said this, describing this kind of perplexing internal battle that we have in our lives as it relates to being people of faith. Oswald Chambers said this, describing this tension. Faith in active opposition to common sense is mistaken enthusiasm. Common sense in opposition to faith demonstrates a mistaken reliance on reason. And that's the tension of faith right there. How do we work through this? Man, I believe God can do anything, but then the holy freaking out that happens at the same time. How do we deal with this tension? Because God is really wanting us. And it says in Hebrews that we need to have faith that God can do anything. And he talks about the Old Testament characters and folks in Scripture that had great faith. And, and then he makes that statement that we just read that without faith, we can't please him. To me, this is a huge challenge. Common sense and faith are as different from each other as the natural life is from the spiritual life. But what does seem clear to me is this. Faith must be tested and tried before it becomes real in your life. You can say, oh, I'm a person of faith. That doesn't mean jack until you go through hard times. Until you go through times where you're so reliant upon God showing up that you're on your knees and your face before him saying, God, I got nothing else except for my faith in you. And then when you see God do incredible things, your faith muscle grows. And we get to the place where we can believe God for anything. Faith always works in a personal way because one of the main purposes of our, of our incredible God is to be able to, to see that perfect faith is being made real in us, his kids. That's what he wants. He wants to see perfect faith in us. God brings us into certain circumstances to educate our faith. Because the ultimate goal of faith is to make the object of our faith real. Let me say that again. It's not so much about what you have, but it's about who we have it in. Does that make sense? It's not about how much faith you have, but it's who you... You can have faith in, in, in Buddha. And it's going to do you a darn bit of good. We've got to have faith in the right object of our faith as our God. And as our faith becomes real, then we see our faith growing. Let me try and explain this. God really cares about the development of your faith. But this, this isn't just for faith's sake. It's your faith is vitally important to God because he's the object of our faith. And it's about ultimately about our God. Until we know Jesus, God is merely just a concept. It's just an idea. And we can't have faith in him. The nature of our faith makes the object of our faith real. That's what this is about. And as I look back over our time here at the theater and even in the, the, the stages of development of our church and the lessons that God has done in my life and in many of your lives too, it's been fun to be able to see God at work. In John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus said this, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. 
When we see God at work, our understanding of our Heavenly Father grows. And we grow in our relationship with God, our faith in Him grows, and we get to the place where, where we have something that's real, and our faith in our God can become limitless as we begin to trust and know that He's a God that can do anything. I used to, when I was a kid, and I was at church, and we'd have missionaries come to service, and they would tell stories of God's amazing protection and provision and just amazing ministry things that would happen with them. I was like, gosh, I want to have stories like that someday where people are just like, dude, God is so real. When I hear your stories, they just bolster my faith, and I believe in our incredible, incredible God. And I need you to know that uh, over the years, I have learned that Beth is really way better at this faith thing than I am. And uh, she, she, her faith, she believes God for anything. And I've told you the story before of this uh, perfect stranger writing us a check in the early days for, for uh, our church that hadn't even opened the doors yet. We hadn't even had one service, and they wrote a check on the perfect strangers on the airplane, wrote a, wrote a check for $1,000. And I remember calling Beth, and, and as, as, as incredible in that story is God's provision for us, because we really needed that. At that time and stage of the game, man, we were trusting God to pay the bills, and we still are, but like in a big way. Like Beth and I had no way to pay our mortgage except for things like that happening, and it was an incredible experience, and our faith grew. But I remember just as awesome as God's provision was, I remember calling Beth saying, babe, you're not going to believe what just happened. And before I even told her what happened, she said, you know, Doug, I'm getting to the place where I will believe just about anything. I was like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be the pastor here. Like, I don't, I'm like, this was a big deal to me, you know? Like, don't wait, don't burst the bubble yet, you know? What were you thinking he did? I need to believe bigger, right? For some reason, Beth has always had that. I'm much better. And all these years later, I'm still challenged by my wife's faith. A couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about this lesson that God was taking me through and this visual that God gave me about three files. There's the Doug has a responsibility file. There's the I'm not really sure what to do file. And then there's the God file. And the more I've thought about this, the more I realize that where I spend the bulk of my worry and where I spend the bulk of my energy being concerned is in God's file. And I don't belong over there. That's God's stuff. And my faith needs to be big enough that I can trust God to deal with his file. We all need to be in that place because none of us make a very good God. He makes a great God. We need to learn to have faith, to trust, and to believe that he is who he is and that he will do what he says he will do. So if my file's getting too big, I need to ask myself the hard questions. Are there things that I am concerned about, overwhelmed about, that really belong in God's file? And I challenge some of you, you need to make three files like this and start putting stuff that you're worried about in those files where they belong. There's going to be some stuff you're not sure about. That's your prayer list. As soon as God tells you to do something, put it in your file. Until he tells you to do something, keep it in the prayer file. And if he doesn't tell you to do anything and you know and you're confident that this is so far out of your control, put it in God's file and leave it there. Don't even go touch it. Let him take care of it. Faith is all of my being, dialed in with God, relying on his amazing power to do what most seem as impossible. So let me try and simplify this. The lesson that I have learned and that you have learned if you've been around Plum Creek for a little while that we need to remember from the theater is this. Faith makes the impossible possible. That's our main thought this weekend. Faith makes the impossible possible. I want to do something this morning. I went back and I grabbed my journal from, from the uh, beginning stages of 
of our church, and I was reading through some of the things, and I, I didn't even get very far where I was like, oh man, I, I read a lot this, this week of some of the different things that I had said. But I started to tell you the story last week of our first time here at the theater and our uh, development of our, of our relationship with the movie theater and asking permission to be here. And once they got our name first on the list, remember I told you that story last week? I want to read to you what, uh, what I wrote in my journal. It's titled Theater Update. I said, to finish up today's journal, I need to reflect a little bit about what has happened with the theater. When we first talked to Brandy, remember that was the lady who was uh, the rep for the movie theater company here that was responsible for this decision. We thought that we would be able to use the theater, all of them, for 200 bucks a week. We never talked about, uh, we never talked very specifically about the arrangements, and I didn't have any sort of contract. Well, Tom, he was one of our leaders back in the day, talked with Brandy, and she asked if we could be out of the theater by 10 o'clock in the morning and and wanted to be reminded of how many theaters we thought we were going to need. Tom called me, and we are concerned, to say the least. She, speaking of Brandy, is to have a meeting with the theaters or with the executives at Colorado Cinemas about about this whole thing and what it would look like for us to be in the theater. The first thing I knew we needed to do was to get our prayer team praying. Well, Brandy finally called back and told me that she was going to have to raise the rent to $300 a week and that we could have the theaters until 11.45 a.m. Now, just I want you to do a quick math. That's $4,200 a month. That was a big deal for us. We pay $6,400 a month now to be here in this theater. I thought 42 was overwhelming, right? She said that because the theater hasn't worked with many churches, only one other one, she, wanted, uh, she would like for us to develop a contract with them How crazy is that? We're writing our own contract. There were a couple of questions still to be resolved, primarily the issue of storage at the theater, and I'm going to be praying that God will pave the way for us to move storage on site. God is good. Now, listen to this last paragraph. You guys have to know me, first of all. Like, when, when someone, when we went through this negotiation thing, the first thing I said is, can I please come with you to work? Like, I want to go to work with you on Monday and talk to the executives. Can I do that? Because I don't like people talking for me. You know, I want to sell this thing myself. And she told me that I couldn't. She said I was not allowed to come to their executive meeting, which surprised me for some reason. I don't know why. (laughs) I was trying to work my way into the corporate meeting, and it wasn't happening. So, once again, God was our advocate. He is going before us. And it is a joy to know that he gets the glory. That is the way that he wants it. And that's the way that I want it. This has always been about what God is doing. I was along for the ride and expect divine intervention and help. It's so much fun to see God at work because he gets the glory. That's what this has been about. Doug wanting to finagle his way into the executive meeting at the theater company to pitch my request, only to have to learn that as good as I think I might am, I might be, I got nothing on God. And when he is our advocate, there's no one that stands in the way. There's nothing that stands in the way from what God wants to do. And here's the big thing. Listen to me. We don't want to stand in the way of what God wants to do. 
It's never been about us. It's never been about me. It's always been about God and what he wants to do in this community to change people's lives. So let me make this personal for you. This week I was wondering, what's the biggest thing that you have ever asked and believed for God to do? Collectively, we've probably asked God for some pretty big things over the years. Maybe it was something related to your job or something to do with the restoration of a relationship or providing of a relationship. Maybe it was a physical healing or maybe it was something that you prayed for to to see someone, maybe your own heart, be mended. Maybe you just needed strength. Maybe it was salvation of a loved one. I wonder as you look over the years at some of the different things that you've believed God for and had faith for, no doubt uh, these these are some very big requests. But what I want to remind you and what I think God wants to remind us as we reflect back from the lessons in the theater is this, that God loves big faith. Why? Why does God love when we have big faith? The reason is that we put him on display. God is faithful. He's told us that. And he wants to put that faithfulness on display for others to see. He loves childlike faith, that big, audacious kind of faith that is just raw and bold and uninhibited, uninhibited, faith that is God-sized. This week I've been reminded of several stories in Scripture where The the scriptures communicate to us very clearly that big faith changed things because the big faith was placed in God. Maybe you remember the story of of this uh, lady who had suffered for years. Scriptures tell us with an issue related to blood. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 22, it says, Just then the woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind him. She touched the fringe of his robe. For she thought, if I can just touch his robe... I will be healed. Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. That's audacious faith right there. That's big faith that says, I have an issue. Jesus is coming. I'm not going to bother him. I'm going to reach out and touch the hem of his garment, believing with faith that if I can get that close to Jesus, he's going to take care of it. Scriptures communicate that Jesus felt that whole thing go down, turns and says to the lady, your faith has made you well. That is huge faith. That is incredible. God loves this kind of stuff. God loves when you believe him for the impossible. God loves when you trust him enough to fill his file full of stuff that God needs to be responsible for. Similar thing happened. I preached about this passage a couple of months back in Luke chapter 18. You remember that blind beggar? When Jesus heard him, he was yelling out to Jesus. He was saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. In Luke chapter 18, verse 40, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and he ordered that the man be brought to him. And as the man came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Wasn't that a great question? We talked about that a couple of months ago. What is it that you want God to do for you? What is it that you're praying about? What is it that you're trusting with big faith that God has got for you. What does that look like? This man said, Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see and he followed Jesus, praising God. And look at the response. Look what happens when we have big faith. And all who see it, what do they do? Praise God too. 
You see, that's what happens when we have big faith. We put God on display and people are able to see and hear of his incredible, incredible uh, interaction with us and his provisions for us. We need to remember this lesson from the theater that faith makes the impossible possible. I want you to be that person. That person with big faith. I want to be that person. I want our church to be full of people that are believing God for incredible things. That God would fill us and empower us to live our personal lives with real big faith. And to help us to be a church that lives with big faith too. In order for us to do this, we have to believe beyond the box of our personal ability. Our personal skill set to finagle into an executive's room. But believe that God is our advocate. That God cares about our stuff. That the details are not things he misses. And that he cares enough to intervene. Remember, this is ultimately not about your faith, it's about your God and how big you see your God to be. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we live by faith, not by sight. This is a problem in our culture today because most of us live by sight rather than faith. We need to begin to see that faith muscle growing. As we dig deeper into this topic, I want to look at a story that would definitely compete for one of the biggest faith examples in Scripture. The main character in this story is Joshua. And in Joshua chapter 9 and chapter 10, we read about the Israelites making this peace treaty with the Gibeonites. They would become the Israelites' servants as a result of this treaty. And when the kings from the surrounding area saw the unification of, of the Israelites and the Gibeonites together... five kings decided to surround the community and rallied their troops together to attack Gibeon in order to weaken this new threat that they saw uh, in their region. And I want to read to you from Joshua chapter 10. The men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come quickly and save us, for all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have come out against us with their armies. So Joshua and the entire Israelite army left Gilgal and set out to rescue Gibeon. Don't be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I will give you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. Now watch what happens. The Lord threw them into a panic and the Israelites slaughtered them in great numbers at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Horon and attacked them at Azekah. And Magda, am I doing good? Killing them along the way. As the Amorites retreated down the road from uh, Beth Horon, the Lord destroyed them with such a terrible hailstorm that continued until they reached Azekah. Then the hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with a sword. Isn't that amazing? Because that stuff fired you guys up like God is at work. Like that's a bad hailstorm, right? On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of the people of Israel. He said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ijalin. So the sun and the moon stood still until the Israelites had defeated their enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Joshar? The sun stopped in the middle of the day and it did not set as on a normal day. The Lord fought for Israel that day. Never before or since has there been a day like that one. When the Lord answered such a request from a human being, then Joshua and the Israelite army returned to their camp at Gilgal. I read that story and I'm like, man, I got some questions. When I get to heaven, I want to see the replay of that one. 
That is a great story. Now, who has that kind of big faith? All right, God, you tell me to roll, I'm rolling. But by the way, could you keep it light for a while? Like, we got to fight this battle, and you're going to help us, so just make the sun stand still for now. Like, who even thinks to pray prayers like that? That's an incredible story of some big faith. I want to hear the whole story of how that happened. The inclusion of this story in Scripture, I don't think, has anything to do so much with the sun standing still in those details as it does seeing faith in action and seeing God respond to do amazing things. Let's capture and recapture this kind of idea to have this big faith in our lives. Because here's what I know to be true after the last seven years here in the theater. Big faith gives God room to move. Big faith gives God room to move. Joshua lived with big faith, and he lived with great expectancy. And this story and this battle that we're referring to was part of the children of Israel conquering and inhabiting the land that God had promised them. This big, bold faith, this, it was awesome, just believing God to do something incredible and big. This big faith paved the way and opened the door for God to move in a very, very big way. But I want you to see something here that we might have missed when I was reading the story. In Joshua chapter 10, verse 12, it shows how Joshua did this. You know, he was the leader of the nation of Israel at this time. On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord, where? In front of all the people of Israel. Now, you want to see big faith? You know how I would have done that prayer? Hey, uh, Beth? Man, could you pray for me on this one? Right? That's the easy one. Let's hide somewhere and pray. God, in front of everybody, he stood up and prayed, God, the God of Israel, make the sun stand still and help us defeat the enemy. That is a big prayer. Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. He prayed that prayer in front of everyone and he lived with big faith and great expectancy and he wasn't afraid to pray publicly. If that had been me, I would have done it totally different and then shared it as a praise report later. <laughs> I don't think there could be a better picture than this one of how God is expecting and desiring us to be people of big faith. And this shows that big faith has the power to open doors and move God in big ways and it led them to victory. A verse that kind of plagues me from the Psalms that's described, you can write it down, Psalm 78. Rehearsing the faithfulness of God and the nation of Israel, it's not going to be on the screen, but in that, in that communication in this chapter, there's one little verse that says this, because of the way that they responded after reflecting over God's faithfulness to bring them out of the captivity in, in Egypt and do all the miraculous things that he had, they still turned their back on him. And then it says this in, in Psalm chapter 78, they limited the Holy One of Israel. It's their lack of faith. They were limiting God. They weren't obedient. They weren't doing. Big faith gives God room to move, period. It was audacious faith that opened the eyes of the blind men, that healed the lady that was sick just by reaching out and touching the garment, that cleaned the leper of his leprosy or multiplied the oil of the, of the widow woman. Without big faith, they wouldn't have even asked or experienced what God wanted for them to experience. It's our big faith that makes big difference because we serve a big God. Extremely bold and uninhibited faith 
opens the door to great moves of God. And when we look at Scripture, when we open our Bibles and read, we can see story after story after story of God's faithfulness, of people believing God for the miraculous. The stories that fire us up the most, I was thinking of some this week. You know, you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three dudes got thrown into a furnace. They turned it up ten times hotter than they normally did. And they threw these guys in there because they wouldn't bow down and worship an idol. And next thing you know, they looked down. The guys that threw them in got burned because the fire was so hot. They're looking down into this furnace. And now there's not three dudes. There's four dudes walking around. Now that's a great story of big faith. They came out. They didn't even smell like they were burned. I can't even turn my grill on without smelling like I got burned. God is an incredible God, a faithful God. And here's the key. Here's the key to this whole weekend. The lessons that we've learned over the last seven years, they're stories of God's incredible provision, of God's incredible faithfulness. And when we have big faith, it opens up the door and provides an opportunity for God to do incredible things. We've seen that. But here's what we must never forget as we embark on the, next, on the next pages of the history of our church and of your life personally, big faith still gives God an opportunity to move. Don't forget it. We need to live that corporately, and you need to live that privately in your own life as well. That your big faith in your life still gives God huge opportunities and room to move. That's the message that we have to grab hold of today. We need big faith like never before. Our church needs big faith like never before. I want us to believe God for incredibly significant things at a whole nother level than we've ever experienced before. He has been faithful. He's been faithful in my life personally. He's been faithful in my family's lives, within your families, collectively here at Plum Creek. So we need to get to the place where we're not afraid to ask and expect and believe God to do incredible things. You see, we know that God is a supernatural God, and He moves in supernatural ways. I remember back in the early days of our church's history where we were just getting ready to launch our journey groups, and Stephen laid down the structure, and we had, at one point, when we first rolled out small groups, we had we had 300 people or so at the church, and we had almost 400 people in journey groups. More people than went to our church were involved in journey groups. And I was praying for our journey groups, and we're caring for our community. And I felt like God was challenging me to lead a decision that was going to be very difficult financially for us to do as a church. Some of you were here, and you remember this, where we took one of our week's offering, where still, to take a week's offering, it's like not getting a, a paycheck. For you guys, I mean, you, this is a big decision to make. Take a week's offering and split it up amongst all of our small groups and challenge each of our small groups. The only thing we ask of you is that you will use these resources to somehow be a blessing in our community. I remember going to our advisory team, our board, and saying, man, I feel like God wants us to do something. And I know it's crazy, but I really feel like this is what God wants us to do. And I remember one of our advisory team guys said, you know, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard, <clears throat> but I love it. That's not the only time he's said that to me over the years. <laughs> but what's really great is that now he takes those ideas as his own, which is really great. Just kidding. Not really. He does that too. Yeah. 
Doesn't matter. Never mind. I don't know why I said that. He's not here, so that's good. So we did it. And it seems like inevitably when we make those decisions to do those kind of things, it's the biggest offering we've had of the year. So we took those resources and we split it up and every group got several hundred dollars. And off they went to make a difference in this community. And off I went and got on my knees and started praying for God's provision. And you know, by week's end, a plum creeker came up to me. They were pretty new to the church at the time. They're still here. And they said, we love the heart of this church. And I love your faith. And I love that you've mobilized our groups to serve. Here's a check to cover that offering. Multiplied thousands of dollars to cover our offering for that week. They paid it themselves. Man, you know how excited I was to call our board guys? Like, let's never lose that desire to just be crazy with our faith and do what God leads us to do. Because the things that we worry about, I tell church planters that all the time now when I travel and speak at conferences, like, you are worried about the wrong stuff, man. If God's called you to do this, man, you need to have a big God file and forget about it. You pray like crazy and let God do his thing, and he will. He is so faithful. I remember early in the process of purchasing the facility, some of you know parts of this story. One of the things that was a major obstacle, you remember early on, to buying the property that in a couple of weeks we're going to worship together in, was that we needed to bring a 12-inch water line a half of a mile. Now, if you're not in a construction world or anything, that's a big hole you have to dig for a long ways, and you have to put a lot of pipe in the ground. And that's a big deal. It's uh, between $500,000 to $600,000 to do that, which makes this building almost useless unless somehow we could get water to it. So we prayed about it, and we sat down with the city, and uh, we, we talked with them about our needs. And one of the guys at the city, I remember Stephen and I were there, began to talk about this raw water line that ran behind the building in the creek bed, the Plum Creek Creek bed. And he said, you know, I've got this idea. He said, I think if we reverse the flow of the water, instead of going to the water treatment plant, coming from the water treatment plant, we can get you guys water. The pipe's already in the ground. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, we could save hundreds of thousands of dollars. That makes this building viable. And so we started praying. I, I can't even tell you how huge my faith was. I was like, God, you're so good, God. Thank you for the amazing town we live in. They're trying to help us. This is great prayed and was so excited and then the guy went to his next meeting to ask if that could be done and they told him no and i remember when Stephen called me he said hey that water line that raw water line thing mm-mm. they said we can't reverse the flow they need to be ready for future provision of water to go to the treatment plant so they can't reverse that and give it to us permanently man my heart sunk you know what i did i went over to our building I walked in the door, and I went over to the window that's not there anymore that looks to the north. And I was mad. I was like, God, this would make so much sense. I don't understand. And I was kind of having one of those moments with God, just kind of leaning on the windowsill praying. And all of a sudden, I can't explain to you how this happens, but all of a sudden, I felt my faith begin to grow. And I remember leaning on that window saying, you know what, God, you don't need a raw water line. This is your doggone building. This is your church, and you've already opened the door for us to buy this thing. You are going to have to work this out. And I remember praying this prayer. 
Lord, there has got to be a contractor out there somewhere that would love to be involved with what we're doing. Somehow, God, I believe that you could even do that. I didn't even know what I was asking for. Now, this is, this is a crazy story, right? Two weeks later, Beth and I are out for dinner with several families that we hang out with here in town. And it was at that dinner that Steve Marr, one of our Plum Creekers, said, hey, what's going on with the building? And I said, well, you know, we're, we got it. We need water. We need it. He's like, I'm an outside guy. What do we need to do? I'm like, what do you mean? He said, uh, I'm an outside guy. What needs to be done outside? I said, well, we need a 12-inch water line, about a half a mile. And just like this, he turns to his wife and he says, Kayla, put it on the books. We're going to put the water line in. He said, if the church pays for the materials, I'll pay for the rest of it, and I'll get my crew and my equipment. I'll pay for the gas. We'll do everything that we need to do to dig the line and put the water in. And I'm, I'm just thinking, dude, this is, this is great. This is, it took me like almost 10 days to remember the prayer in the building. But it's in my journal. All of a sudden, I remember what I prayed for. And I was like, God did what I asked for. This is amazing. And I remember, he's sitting right there. Dudley was one of the first guys on there. I remember the first bucket load of dirt. And I have a picture of it. It was beautiful. And God took, it's like, that's a significant, obviously significant contribution to what we, to our, to our building project. It's about believing God for the impossible and knowing that all of this is ultimately going to glorify him. We don't even see it. But the first time you flush a toilet, The first time you get a drink of water, you better remember God's miraculous provision and somehow bigger than we could have ever imagined, God swooped into that thing and he took care of something that seemed like an impossibility because me and my boys would still be digging that ditch right now. Like, guys, Pastor Doug needs help again. Bring your shovels. God is a big God. He can do anything. So we need to get to the place where we think big faith, where we speak big faith, where we ask with big faith, where we believe with big faith that God can do anything. Now, here's my question. The only way that we are going to be that kind of church is if you will become that kind of person. And what kind of faith do you have? What kind of, not selfishly, what kind of big things are you expecting of God? What kind of big things are you asking him for? Here's another question. What have you been asking for in the past that maybe you quit asking for for whatever reason? Maybe it's the salvation of a loved one or a prodigal child to come back or the restoration of a relationship or I don't know what it might be. What is it that God is calling you to be prepared and ready to do? I want to have some of those sun sun standing still moments in the history of our church. I'll never forget that first dig in the ground, and I never want to forget it. Even though that window's covered up, it's the back of our auditorium. That window's still there to me because I remember what it looks like. I remember what it feels like to have faith grow as we ask God for incredible things. I want to see our spiritual climate rise with a noticeable difference. I want to see marriages healed and restored. I want to see teenagers on fire for God. I want to see young, uh, young children coming to faith. I want to see morality redefined. I want to see a, a majority of the households, if not every household in Castle Rock, plugged in in their faith. 
I want to see salvations and freedoms and healings and restorations. And here's the deal. The only way that happens is when we pray with big faith. When we trust with big faith and we see our muscle growing. You know, so often when we look back at the history of the nation of Israel and we see, man, how could they not believe God? He just parted the Red Sea. Man, God parted the dirt for a half a mile. What can't we believe God for? Will you bow your heads for just a moment? Lord, as I think back over the history of our church, what you've done in my life, you've told me so many times, and I've written it, it's time and time and time again in my journal, just as important as it is to see Plum Creek off the ground and running and see Plum Creek heading into these new pages of history. Lord, you've been wanting to do something in me personally, and I don't want to miss that. God, I don't want our church to miss that. So today, we believe for anything. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, in the Message Bible, it says, God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. So God, today, I'm going to ask you for healed marriages. I'm going to ask you for physical healings, for radical financial provision, Lord, I'm going to ask you today with big faith that you'll provide the property to the north and the south of us, that we'd be able to expand and see our dream come to fruition, to have a facility where the young people in our community can come and to be part of all kinds of different activities. Lord, I'm going to pray that somehow, it's a scary prayer for me, God, because we're tired. But I pray, God, you will help us run out of room fast in this new church. Because people have come to faith. God, you care about this town. You care about this valley. And you want us to be part of something very, very special. And so today, we give this to you. And with our heart muscle full, as we look back over the history of our church, we ask you to do more. We ask you to change this place. God, I pray that in the next several weeks and months that we will see more people come to faith than we ever have in the history of our church. Will you help us to remember it's more about those that are outside of these doors than those that are already inside of these doors. God, help us to do what you're calling us to do. To live outside of the box of what we can do with big faith because we have a God that can do anything. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.